Vikings versus Broncos. Let's rock, let's roll, tick-tock, let's go, let's rock, let's roll. Ten seconds to go, 24-23 Saints. Vikings at their own 39, it's third down. Three receivers right, feel and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side, caught by Diggs. Stay up, oh, my God, oh my God, oh my God, 30, no Let's go! This is where your Climbing the Pocket Network's personalities and guests get together to talk about your Minnesota Vikings. So it's time to let's go! Hey everybody! We're here at Climbing the Pocket Network's Roundtable. And tonight we have Flip from 15 Minutes with Flip Mozzie. Miles from Climbing the Pocket. And Matt Freeze from one of our fantastic writers at Climbing the Pocket, the website. We're here to talk your beloved Minnesota Vikings. Flip, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, David. How are you? I, I am good. I'm recovered from yesterday. That was hard on my heart. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, I hear you on that. It's been up and down almost all season, so so I get the stressful times and people are feeling it, but we'll work through it. Hey, well, I hope my liver will last that long because it was rough. <laughs> Miles, how are you doing? That's good. I'm good, man. I didn't, I didn't really get after it like you guys did yesterday, but I was I almost had a heart attack too. It was a it was a crazy game. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, David. Um, yeah, I had the same thing. My real, my liver was already recovering on Sunday, so <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't drinking too much, but I was wishing I was drinking for the first half at least. <laughs> well, I was putting out on Twitter, his team driving is driving me to drink, and I yeah. That's why I don't. That's why game. I don't tweet during games. I. <laughs> I, I tried to. I I had to stream the game, so I I oh, try to stay yeah. off Twitter whenever I'm doing that because you get tip plays so easily. Yep. That's what I'm doing with the, with the Monday night game right now. <laughs> yeah, I've got it on too. I've got it muted. Anyways, this is probably the biggest crowd the Chargers have had in at least a year, if not two. <laughs> Well, it was bigger than the Rams crowd at the Coliseum <laughs> right, last yeah. night. <laughs> that was awful. That well, game was awful. It Spe- was. It was really bad. Speaking of crowds, how many of you saw Broncos fans in U.S. Bank yesterday? Yeah, that was crazy. Was it? Is it? Is it just because it's deer hunting season and people were giving <laughs> away their tickets to be out? I think it's. I think it's because of the opponent. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty easy to get from Denver to Minneapolis, right? Denver's a hub, yeah. so you can fly to Minneapolis. And, you know, it's it's not like a marquee opponent. So I think fans are just more willing to sell the tickets. Right. I, I agree with that. That's probably what it was. Okay. Well, let's start with the first half. Matt, what did you think Ooh. of that first half? Um, I thought it was like, I don't know, the classic Vikings of the Bears game and the Packers game this year. Like, 
that's that's what it looked like the whole time. I mean, we couldn't get anything run game going. So and we were so that put us behind the sticks the entire time, right? Because we are in second and long, we're in third and long, and then we just can't get anything going. Um, Kirk Cousins was not throwing passes down the field. So I think he was actually 11 of 12 in the first half or something, but he only had 58 yards, right? So it was all like flat passes and, and screen passes to running backs. We were trying to get going that way, and it just wasn't working out for us. We weren't converting on third down. We weren't getting those first downs. Um, I was also a little frustrated with Zimmer. Uh, the first fourth and one, I can excuse going for a punt there. You know, it's early in the game. You don't want to give them the ball in scoring position right away. But the second one where we had already caught across midfield or we were like right on midfield and it's a fourth and two, I, I think you're down. I think we were only down three, but you're down points. This team really had not shown the ability to come back after they're down by any margin, really. Uh, so far in the season, like we've gotten seven points. So if we go down two scores, which we did after we punted there, um, I really didn't have a whole lot of hope of us coming back at that point. And, you know, I think they got back to the 49-yard line in two plays. So even if we fail, it's not like we're giving up that much. But, I mean, just in general, we couldn't get the offense going, and we weren't aggressive enough, I felt, in the first half. What do you think, Miles? I 100% agree. I mean – I mean, I think the one play that really stands out to me, and I think I know I've seen it on Twitter too that people people have talked about was the uh, the Vikings get a free play, the the Broncos uh, jump off sides. You have a free play, Diggs recognizes it and runs deep, and your quarterback checks it down to the fullback. I mean, that just kind of tells you that to me just it, like epitomized that first half in general. Like, what <laughs> you have an opportunity to kind of give a spark to your offense. Not that you expect. Um, uh, the big play to happen to Diggs, but like taking a shot because you never know if you get a, a, a pass interference, anything. Just taking that shot on it's basically a free play, so they're asking you to go deep, and you're not even will, not even willing to take that shot. So that was kind of disappointing to me. Um, and then there's some just things like really kicking themselves in the foot. I mean, they the Vikings really tried to give that game away yesterday, like so many on so many different occasions. You have what two, uh, three fumble. They fumbled three times, uh, gave it away twice. Um, you have a, a big play to Diggs in the first half that's um, that's negated by a holding penalty. Reef got worked uh, quite a bit. Reef and Elfline got worked quite a bit during the game. Uh, had some key penalties at key times that you didn't want to see. Um, and then, yeah, like like Matt said, not really being able to move the ball, uh, not pushing it downfield. But um, the Broncos really treated this Vikings team like the the Packers did. They were like, or not the Packers, the Bears did, and kind of the Chiefs. They were like. We're not going to let you beat us with your running backs. And we're not going to let you beat us with Dalvin Cook. Go ahead, Kirk Cousins. Take the game in your hands. We trust our defensive backs to um, to play man coverage against your wide receivers behind Diggs especially. Um, we trust our guys to do that. And obviously in the second half it worked. But in the first half it, uh, it was working for the Broncos because the Vikings weren't taking shots. So they're willing to just keep everything in front, you know, five, six-yard passes here and there. It's not really doing anything for you. So – um, I thought the uh, hurry up before the half, not that they ended up scoring any points, but I, I think it kind of jump-started what they were going to do in the second half. And then obviously we saw um, in that second half, uh, they stayed in up-tempo basically the entire game, the entire second half. Well, you talk about they're playing against the run. They had eight men in the box yep. all night. Oh, yeah. When we were defeating that earlier, 
it was because we had Diggs and Thielen. And when you have eight men in a box, one of the safeties is up. You just run a crosser with those two receivers, and the remaining safety's got to pick one. The other one's open, right? And we had so much success with that. We haven't had that as much since Adam Thielen's been out with his hammy. The news is today that most likely he'll be ready to play come Monday night against Seattle here in, a, in two weeks, um, which is good. Flip, we've gone through the dregs of the first half. What was the big changes you saw in the second half? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I, I saw a team that was more committed to execution. And, and really, you know, we can talk scheme. We can talk numbers. The big change is that just the Vikings refused to take no for an answer. And they stepped it up. Their level of play is what improved. I think Kirk Cousins more so was more aggressive. But outside of that, uh, the blocking was better. The defense played better. And Denver kind of, their offense just un- unloaded this bag of tricks against the Vikings defense, which I think led to a lot of their success. And once those plays went away, that's what enabled the Vikings to actually get back in this game when they are, when they actually took Denver as a serious threat and refused to take no for an answer. Uh, I think another key is just Kirk Cousins. The, the play, the check down on the free play is like, <laughs> that is Kirk Cousins to a T. Like, even when he's playing good in the second half, you just go back to that play, and I, I think he honestly doesn't have the capability to tell the difference between a free play on an offsides and, a, like, a free blitz. It's like he, like, interprets that as a blitz, and he's always like, panic, okay, panic. i got to check it down now. It's like, no, no, that's, no Kirk, that is not a blitz. That was, that, that's 100% right right there. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's like, it's that agnostic kind of view that Kirk Cousins uses. Like, like he's going to start the game throwing it to C.J. Ham and B.C. Johnson, and that makes no sense at all. But in the second half, when those guys are open, you know, he's going to start delivering the ball to Diggs and to Rudolph. I like the Vikings offense. I kind of like the large variety of weapons they have. But I think they just go too far sometimes. And... It's okay to like force the ball into Diggs, force the ball into Rudolph, because those guys are always the ones who are consistently making plays for this team. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think going back to that, you know, Kirk not being willing to throw the ball down the field early and, and that sort of thing, that ties in kind of to the Bears game previously, because that's why like Thielen and Diggs were so pissed off after that game, right? Because if you watch the All-22, if you like watch the tape of the game, they're getting open deep, and they have opportunities if Kirk pulls the trigger and throws the ball deep. And I don't remember how many targets each of them had in that game, but the vast majority of Diggs just came out like that last desperation drive, mm-hmm. right? So here we open it up you know, a lot earlier than we did in the Bears game, even if we started out kind of at a similar pace. And it, and it really benefited us to do that once we started in the third quarter. Like, well, we didn't wait until it was too late this time. And that's that's a really good sign, I think, for the team. Agreed. Oh, the last, yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. It's quite uh, encouraging just, that we came back. 
Yeah. Very encouraging. You know, you read reading some articles after this game, there's no such thing as as moral victories, but all the players referenced that game against Green Bay where they almost pulled off the comeback, and they said to themselves, we're going to get it right this time. And uh, there was a lot of discussion about how Mike Zimmer practiced these late-game situations more during the offseason. So it, I guess they're just more prepared for these types of games now, which is great but hopefully you know our hearts can't handle five more of these so no 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 no, no. Yeah, you better you better or my liver hey no, i don't think, i don't think you can ask for that though um real quick i want to this is the last negative i'm going to say about the game and about like the vikings in general for right now just because they have played well the last six seven weeks whatever what have you but uh what i'm still i'm really still confused about especially with adam feeling out is how kirk cousins hasn't we talked you guys talked about a little bit with with Stephon Diggs how he hasn't force fed Stephon Diggs more often like even when he's not considered the first read in your progression how is he still not one of the guys you you see a one-on-one matchup uh, against a defensive back how is that not the first read for you um even if he's even if he's running a you know even if it's not the primary read like he's your best offensive player I'm you could say what you want about Dalvin Cook but passing the ball downfield creates more <laughs> creates more points, creates, you know, creates more uh, big play opportunities, whatever. We don't have to get into that flip. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, and I'm not saying that that doesn't make Dalvin Cook valuable because he is, but uh, Stefan Diggs brings that different kind of element to this offense. And he's shown that he's really good at contested catches as well. Back in 2017, I think he was the top rated receiver in the league um, in contested catches. And we saw Case Keenum give him and Thielen those opportunities, those 50, 50 balls quite often. Um, more more good than bad happens when you throw that when you throw uh, Stephon Diggs the football. So I don't understand why. Like even yesterday, we only saw five receptions. We saw three against the Cowboys. We saw one against the Chiefs three weeks ago. Like things like that. Um, I'm I'm still I still don't understand how that's not um, hasn't been like remedied. So it's a yeah. it's just a nitpick that I have right now. Yeah, Miles, I agree there. Like I think if you got Diggs singled up on one side and he's got one guy on him that has to be an alert in your progression right. and you have exactly. to come to that immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you see, you see a lot of other teams do that. Like with their top receiver, a lot, <laughs> their yeah. quarterbacks, they're like, Oh, Hey, my, my top guy has a one-on-one matchup. I don't care what the route is. I'm throwing it. One wide receiver screen. We've seen so many right. tight end screens, <laughs> so <laughs> many running back screens, like run one receiver screen. One. Right. Hey, yeah, I want to welcome BJ Rydell. Oh, our newest show, Unbelievable, airs on Tuesdays and Thursdays. He's joined the group. How you doing, BJ? I just wanted to crash your guys' party. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm, enjoy- I'm enjoying listening to you guys talk, honestly. You guys are doing a good job. I don't know how much I can add to the conversation when you're breaking down. I mean, I think Flip's point about uh, just – or honestly, I don't know which one of you would have said it, but, like, it, you need to get the ball to Stephon Diggs. He needs to be, like Miles said, the first read for sure. And if he's singled up one on one, absolutely. Like, there's no. Oh, there's you know, no... Flip didn't say that. Flip is, wants Dalvin Cook to do everything. <laughs> MVP. Yeah, I mean, he's a. He's a I mean, Stephon Diggs has to be more involved. Like, there's no excuse for having one target that essentially was knocked off because of that ridiculous holding call in the first right. half. Like, there's mm-hmm. no excuse for that. 
there has to be plays where it's just literally like you're going to force feed it to him. And if you get one-on-one coverage, like you said, it's got to be an alert. That ball has to go up in the air, especially when you're struggling to get the ball more than five yards downfield. It's ridiculous, right? Right. And in the first half, there was only one pass that went over the 10-yard line, and it was only for 11. Absurd. That was it. And and when I've been watching, and most of you know I'm really hard on Kirk Cousins, um, most of his bad games is when he's not throwing downfield. Thankfully, in the second half, and what I heard, I didn't see, but I heard, Stephon Diggs was one that ignited a lot of the players and kept encouraging them on the sidelines. It wasn't Kirk Cousins yelling at a receiver. It was Stephon going, come on, we can do this, we can do this, especially when the defense was on the field. He was yelling out at them, and he was talking to the other guys on the offense. To me, that is a leadership step that we need and will pay benefits, dividends, as we go further into December and hopefully way into January. Yeah, so to add on to that, David, real quick, there were there were two really good articles that came out in The Athletic today that were kind of like based on the interviews and that sort of thing on the oral, oral history, kind of how the comeback happened. And there was one specifically on Stefan Diggs that were just, I, I want to shout them out because they were really good pieces, right? But like, they, they really give you a good feel for the way kind of the game went. BJ, what do you think of the second half? Second half? Okay, well, first and foremost, I, I did not enjoy this football game. Like, there's, like, there's part of me that, like, like obviously I saw the score at the end of the game, right? And I was happy, like every other Vikings fan, that, you know, we're moving to 8-3. and three. You got a bye week coming at the right time. All of that is great, right? But, like, there is no part of me as a, as a fan, and I'm a Minnesotan born and bred. Like, I, I'm stuck as a Vikings fan. I don't even have a choice. There is... No part of me that enjoyed that. It was it was the ultimate roller coaster of emotions, and that that final drive in the second half was just the apex of that. You know, I mean, like you you go you go score four touchdowns in a row in the second half. Everything's going great. It seems like nothing can go wrong, and you're waiting for that backbreaking moment, right? As a Vikings fan, like we've seen it so many times, you're waiting for that moment to come. You get four straight touchdowns from the offense, which is Straight up unprecedented. The numbers on that are just ridiculous. It just it just does not happen. And you get to the point where the defense is about to choke it away for you. You know how many you know how many times I was like I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. I wore a Fitbit on my wrist, right, just to like to see my like you know see how many steps I take on a daily basis. I saw my heart rate creep up over 115 sitting on my couch. Like what? it's not not healthy it's not a good experience like i didn't have fun watching that game but you know ultimately you could see the shift in how that game went right i mean you you go from play calling that was very you know uh, pedestrian to say the least in the first half to being willing to first of all you're gonna you're basically running like a two-minute drill for the entire second half which i didn't even think Kirk cousins was possible like he could possibly do that i haven't seen him do that type of thing before in his career He's hurrying it up to the line. He's he's leading this team more than any time in his entire career, which was awesome to see. I, I like I truly had like belief in who he was as not just the ta- like a talented signal caller, but like as a leader of men. So that was great to see. And then you see everything shift from everything going wrong from the fumbles, the stupid penalties, the drops, the poorly ran routes, all of that stuff. Just poof, it was gone, and all of a sudden you're seeing this team that looks like a Super Bowl caliber, you know, offense. It was a dramatic shift, and it was exciting. But like I said, I mean, 
I can't I can't do that every week. And I heard you guys <laughs> No, there's no way. I mean, two weeks in a row, especially. Well, three weeks in a row. I can't, you forget about the Chiefs game because they lost it. Right. But then Y'all. you jump into the Cowboys game. You jump literally last the last the last the last play of the game was it had played the outcome of the entire you know game. And um, to your point, BJ, talking about the two minute drill, basically the entire second half. Um, I was impressed with that whole scenario because there was part of me like they're going to still want to try to establish the run, aren't they? They're going to continue to try to run the ball consistently, try to make sure they, they establish it in some capacity. And they were like, no, I mean, yeah, they ran it every once in a while here and there, but they were like, no, we know that the only way we're going to get back in this game is throwing the football. And it was just good that to, to see it so that you knew, you know, we talked, they talked about it earlier in the game in the season when the complaint was, we're running it too much. We can't just be so reliant on the run. And Kirk and a lot of those guys had said, there's going to be games later on in the season that we know we need to rely on the pass to get us into games, back into games, whatever it is, keep us in games. Um, this was that game especially. And uh, to really be able to see it come to, to life. Um, and I kind of like that this game comes with the bye um, up right. next because they kind of do get to kind of calm themselves down a little bit after the, that three-week stretch of – of the of hiatus like it was nuts and so now you get that opportunity to really kind of calm down um get recollect yourselves let guys get healthy and then kind of go into it with that final stretch uh but with momentum in your favor as well so it's kind of a uh one of those like you take it as a positive because you won the game but you don't want to keep going down that route free lesson free lesson in wins that's that's what you got to take away, and you get a ton of free lessons on how poorly they played in the first half. You got a lesson that Kirk Cousins should never execute a quarterback sneak, like get rid of that play. Uh, oh, no, then, no, no, I'm not against so, no, I'm not, I'm not against the sneak. Oh, uh, sneak's a high uh, percentage play. Mostly, it's all about the offensive I, line. I do not trust Kirk Cousins holding that ball to get that yard. I honestly Kirk, don't. Kirk Even is like, like Look, just real quick, Kirk is like seven out of ten in his Vikings career on quarterback sneaks, and that includes the failure in the Redskins game and the game yesterday. Okay, like, well, if, if we've got data, I'm convinced. Let's keep on <laughs> that's, that's all I need. Um, yeah, I heard no, something a, today. I mean, it's a, it's a proven stat. Like, like, I know people, even with the Chiefs, they're like, oh, why would you run that with Patrick Mahomes and he gets hurt? It's like because it's a high percentage play. Right. Most quarterbacks just, get it. That 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 snap with the slap he's got going on in front of him, it just doesn't always look <laughs> as smooth as it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's more about the push on the offensive line than it is, and finding just like a small crease to fall into. Mm-hmm. So if your True. offensive line doesn't get any momentum at all, then I mean, you're screwed. Yeah, they they got stood up so bad yeah, on that play. they got stood up all game. I mean, they got stood up all game basically in the run game yesterday, yeah. which. CJ Ham fullback dive wasn't exactly uh, great yeah. either. It's, like, yeah. like I, I understand handing after the fullback. Like, it, it's not like it's not a lost art in my mind. I know that a lot of NFL teams just straight up don't use a fullback. But I mean, when you have Delvin Cook in the backfield and you need one yard, do you really have more confidence in giving like a quick handoff, like and trying to catch the defense off guard with CJ Ham or right. Delvin Cook, who has literally broken the first tackle? Every single time this year, seemingly, like does, yeah, well, does that make sense? Or even and Madison. he can beat anybody that, and he can beat anybody to the edge too. So it's like, yeah, yeah, he did yeah that on that I, touchdown run too. I'm with you. you know, I'm like, with you. 
he basically trotted into the end zone on that touchdown run when he had a defender, you know, within or a couple yards of him to start yep. that play. Yeah. Or run a wide receiver screen. Just like, <laughs> yeah, just one. Like, just like let <laughs> Stefan, Stefan break a tackle because he will also break that first uh, the tackle from that first defender nine times out of ten. Yep. But yeah, I mean it's it was like you said, Miles. It was symptomatic all game. It wasn't just the CJ Ham run. It wasn't just that fourth and one sneak. It was every single run play we had. Like the interior defensive line for the Broncos was dominating our interior offensive line. Like, I don't, know, I don't even know who they are. Like, Shelby Harris? Yeah, and the, and their, their starter got hurt. Their nose tackle got hurt yeah. early in the game. It, just like the Chiefs game, they were like, hey, even with our backups, we're going to not let you run the football. I don't just know. Going, going back to your point on, the, on the, the Diggs screen, by the way, at some like you guys have watched the Maryland film, right, when, when Diggs was basically per- Percy Harvin. In the yeah, Eagles oh yeah. offense, oh yeah. yeah. How how do you not inject that into this offense in some like in some way, right? Well, like, because he's yeah. he's dynamic when he when he touches the ball. It's, oh it's, man, it's, it's inherent to his. Oh, game. BJ, gonna get me going, man. Last <laughs> <laughs> year though, John Filippo, like John Filippo, only used him on screens. And I'm okay with that to a degree. Like you can mix and match it. Like I still right. want to see those deep right. shots downfield. But at the same time, right. like, he can be a gadget player, too. He was literally Percy Harvin coming out of college. Oh, it doesn't make sense to me. The last four weeks, Adam Phelan's been out of the game. How are you not moving Stephon Diggs around the entire formation on multiple yeah. – on every drive? It doesn't have to be every play, but, like, on multiple occasions. Like, I, I liken this – again, I'm going on another rant. I said I was going to be negative, but whatever. <laughs> we're, 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 we're leaning into it. Negative the, Sometimes the Vikings treat Stephon Diggs the exact same way and in a poor way. They're treating the Cleveland Browns are treating Odell Beckham Jr. You're putting him at stationary on the line of scrimmage and asking him just to win one-on-one, which is fine because you know he can do it. But you can be so much more creative with, with these guys, with how talented they are after the catch, their ability to win downfield, to do so many different things. They're not one-trick ponies. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're guys that, in the screen game, they're dynamic with the ball in their hands. They're they're dynamic down the field. They catch everything. Like, it's it's just crazy to me how how as an offensive coordinator like Kevin Stefanski, how my game plan, especially with Adam Thielen out of the game and not even in the game plan, how your game plan for the passing game isn't let's move our best pass catcher everywhere and get him involved all the all the time. So. I think an example of that, Miles, well, I've got a couple things. But first of all, we run, obviously, with our outside zone, we run like a levels concept off of that a lot, right? So we've got one person out on the flat, we've got one person running across over the middle, and then we've got one person running deep. Diggs has always been the deep man. Oh, like every single time this year. I don't understand because he's great after the catch as well. I mean, he has had the fumbling issues this year, so I guess that could be a bit of a concern. But like, he'll work it out. I like, I don't see why it won't work it out. Um, yeah. Like, you get him with room to run over the middle of the field because, like, that's what we hit Rudolph on um, for that touchdown. Right. We, I think we hit BC once or twice on it on and this they drive. Hit Diggs on, they hit Diggs on it once in the first yeah. half. That got, that got nullified. Yeah, right, right. It's like we should be running that with him more often because he's going to get open more often on that, and that's probably the route you're going to hit most often. Right on that sort of concept. Yeah. Well, that's the um, Adam Thielen route, which is fine. Yep. But like, I don't under—they never interchange it. They're not like, 
oh hey Adam, this time you go run deep, and Stefan, yeah. you you run the the crosser route, the easy crosser route. But like no no no, Adam, you just do it and you keep because, getting yards. Because they're both like complete wide receivers. They're, right. They can both do everything. Exactly. So why not yeah. why not confuse defenses a little bit? But back to Diggs. So I was looking at it earlier today. I mean, Diggs has been so good as a defense this year. He leads the league in 30-yard receptions, 40-yard receptions, and 50-yard receptions, which those lists aren't as, like, consistent as you would think in terms of the players at the top of them. And he's also leading the league in yards per reception. And No, he's leading the league in yards per target, and he's second in yards per reception to Michael Hardman. For the guy that's Chiefs. that fast, right? Yeah, for, for a guy. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris Harris. Thanks. Uh, yeah. But, like, I – like you said, Miles, I don't think he should be leading the league in those things. I think we need to get him some shorter passes, let him work after the catch. Like, I mean, I think it's okay to lead the league in that, but I mean, it's if you look at how often it's happening, it's not happening enough. Right. Like, like I, yeah. I would rather Stephon Diggs be leading the league in reception, receiving yards, right, and right. like not leading the league's, league in yards per reception. He's not, he's not Deshaun like, Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Well. Let me like pause a little bit here because one one of the things that we have to understand about this Vikings offense is Diggs is never going to be receiving yards leader because we just don't pass the ball that often. Sure. And if, this is the if, ball thirty five times yesterday, and he had five receptions. Yeah, well, he yes, Diggs <laughs> needs to get the ball more than that. But the interchangeable routes is definitely a thing we need to see going forward. I think Adam Thielen helps immensely. And I think this offense has another gear in it when Thielen returns. Right now, yes, Diggs can can do more than that deep route. But you look at the other wide receivers, and you just you don't trust Laquan Treadwell running the deep route. You don't trust BC Johnson running the deep route. So it's it's like who is the guy who can actually threaten in different route trees? And Diggs is the only guy who can do it. So when Thielen yeah. returns, oh, I'm hoping for more of that versatility. That's why I've been saying for years that this team just needs a, a deep threat, a guy like a Marquise Goodwin, just a guy that can run deep, just to help take away things. Yeah. But whatever, uh, we don't need to. We're, we're, we're down this rabbit hole now. <laughs> well, we've we'll we got to that in the offseason. We haven't even talked Xavier Rhodes yet, so I don't know what's going to happen. I, right. I was just, like, another negative take. I mean, the, the defensive backs in general. But the Vikings won yesterday on a miraculous comeback that. You don't see often what those one in a hundred now, one in ninety nine, uh, yeah. in the last five years. So that's a that's an impressive thing. So if we're gonna get back to being positive, to be able to see your quarterback and your offense do some of that uh, in the second half was was really good to see. Well, if I'm gonna be honest, they did something I didn't think they had in them. Like I at halftime, I mean at halftime, I said to myself basically, if they don't score a touchdown on the opening drive of halftime, I'm turning the game off because. <laughs> Yeah. I, I was just so frustrated at that point. And they obviously turned it around. But, like, this is not what we've seen from Kirk Cousins throughout his Vikings career. This is not what we've seen from this Vikings team throughout even the Zimmer era, I would say. I mean, obviously, we've had more of a defense focus, but we haven't been able to score the points when we needed to. Uh, well, so that's, we're on that's a, a huge positive. We're at a pace right now. Uh, we've looked up the numbers for Good Morning Gallahorn going into this game, and we're averaging 27 points a game on offense. We have not scored that many points on average per game since 2009. Yep. Under Brett Favre. 
And I thought Max it was like closer to 29 points per game. I thought they had a graphic yesterday, and maybe it's it may be uh, because they only had 27 yesterday. But but we, when we look, we talked 27. But I know the 2009 team was just a little bit over 29 points per game. But we yeah. we haven't been close since then. And th- this is with the defense getting old in front of our eyes, and that's the only way I can explain it. <laughs> it's true, though. Um, it is refreshing that the offense has stood up, come up. Kirk seems to be over some of his foibles. The rest of the offense, were, like you said, Flip, we got talent all the way around. We got great receivers, great running back, tight ends. We got a smorgasbord of wherever you want to throw the ball, we're going to get good results or run the ball either way for the most part. But it's they've made up for the defense's weak points, and there are weak points, as we've seen, especially yesterday. But hopefully Mike Zimmer will do some sort of adjustment over this bye week to either remedy it or mask it. Because we're going to need it going into Seattle here in two weeks. You know what's funny about the, you mentioned Seattle? That mm-hmm. the Seattle's in, made the transition that the Vikings are in the midst of right now, probably last year, where they went from being kind of a historic caliber defense to an offensive precedented team. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are, I mean, there's so many similarities between Seattle and Minnesota just in terms well. of like the roster construction. But and it and it's been like that for kind of a long time, and their GM, the GMs are obviously buddies, and you know probably exchange text messages too much. But <laughs> like they, you kind of you kind of have to go through that transition from being you know if you're if you're winning on one side of the ball for so many years, like eventually those playmakers are just going to get old, like David said. Like it's just it's just natural, and you hope that you've got the other side of the ball ready to wake up, and you see like how that's how. Seattle didn't even have to go through a rebuilding phase because they literally just moved on from their their studs. Some of them got pissed off and left, you know, however they left regardless. They cha- they just changed their their style of play just to fit kind of what they had at the, what they had under center. So as soon as Russell Wilson kind of starts to take off, that defense falls back a little bit, all of a sudden they're a different team. And the Vikings are kind of doing the same thing with Kirk Cousins. You know, like you can't I don't think anyone expected Kirk Cousins to be to kind of go on this this run that he has over the last seven games. If you look at the numbers, he's got six pass ratings over 100 in the last seven weeks. The only one that's lower than 100 was the time when he had at 94 at Kansas City. Like nobody saw this one coming. You could see it coming with Russell Wilson, but it's the same type of transition, and that's what winning franchises do. That's what that's how you build stability within your organization and have consistency year in and year out. So I mean, it's it's nice to see for sure, but it's also kind of expected when. You build around. You go from building around a defense to building around a quarterback. Where your salary cap is should reflect kind of what the strength of your team is. And the Vikings are whether they whether Mike Zimmer enjoys it or not. That's just simply what's happening right now. Man, man, I'm just not ready to to close the book on this defense yet. And yeah, don't close I, it. You know, it's, it may not be a top five defense anymore. It's still top ten, but it's. It doesn't need to be if your offense right. is scoring. Right. I, and I understand that, but the defense by itself, I, I number one, the solution is pretty simple. Like nobody's walking through that door. Starting Holton Hill over Trey Waynes or Xavier Rhodes, that's not the, the solution here. They just got to go back, and Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes need to put in the work 
to uh, to improve from what they've been this year. Uh, one thing about the defense is it's not like a bit, there's no big miscommunication issues. They're still showing a good pass rush. They've had backups come in and play well. So, so it's really just the two guys on the outside, which is the, the leaky hole right now. Can they fix it? Can those two individual players actually step up the gameplay? That's what we're asking ourselves. And some of like, I, I, I've been saying this for three weeks now, so I can't even make a good point around it. But some of these plays the receivers are making are just like, it's Sammy Watkins, one hand grabs, then it's Amari Cooper, you know, toe touches. And then Cortland Sutton with those contested catches is, I part of me thinks that just sooner or later that doesn't continue. And the DBs are right there on those plays. It's not like they're way off. They're close. Yeah, I think so, stylistically that Mike Zimmer's not doing him any favors either. They're not. There's no. There's not nearly as much press coverage being run anymore. Well, that's because I don't think he trusts Xavier to get over the top anymore. I mean, Xavier. The one thing I, um, Xavier's not. Xavier's not an off coverage corner, but he also doesn't seem to have the speed or the discipline that he had before in press coverage. Is he so that kind much of, slower though? I don't. He ran I don't even twenty-two know. miles an hour two years I, ago. I don't, but I don't even think it's like just a, an overall speed. I think it's just a technique, and I I just think there's a little bit of like his his technique isn't what it used to be. It's not, you know, there's the savvy moves he's making. He's he's not doing. He's getting beat off the line pretty on a yeah. you know pretty easily right now. Um, and before you used to be able like guys who wouldn't, couldn't even get off the line because his arms are so long. And I mean, um, he's getting beat off the line by nobody's too. Right. Yeah. So it's it's one of those situations. It's like you you back him up, so you're like, okay, we'll just keep everything in front of him, rather than letting him get beat off the line, and then he loses his technique, and then that's where the penalties come in. Lots of different things are going on with Xavier. Um, so I don't even know yeah. if it's like I think like someone had said on the timeline on, on Twitter today, they had talked about like I don't know if it's overall his overall athleticism, um, but it, I think there's there's a definite decline in it, even if it's just slight. And it might be enough to the fact that Xavier is so used to being being able to play as athletically as he did that it's not as um, that it's one of those things because he relied on it so heavily that when you can't play the same way you, you used to, it's hard to adjust. And I don't think that's something he's been able to adjust in season. Yeah, that's a no, great I, point. Yeah, I agree with that point, Miles. And the other thing, Flip, you were kind of talking about. I agree. Some of the receivers are making ridiculous catches. And I, I don't really know what it's like for a corner or whatever, but for me, ball skills are something you have as a player or you don't have as a player. And Waynes and Rhodes have never been the best interception players, but they've always had good ball skills in terms of being able to get a hand up in there and being able to disrupt the pass. I mean, if we go back to like Chris Cook and like Josh Robinson when they were starting corners for us, like Chris Cook would be in position every single snap and the receiver would still catch the ball, right? Because he just he just couldn't ever find the ball, and he couldn't ever make a play on the receiver. And that's how um, it feels like right now with the cornerbacks. Yeah, and that yeah. and that's what it feels like right now with the cornerbacks. And I don't know if that's something like you can just lose and you don't have it anymore, and you don't have that ability to like see in the receiver when the ball's coming and and that sort of thing. I I don't obviously I don't know how that works, but I'm concerned that it's something that's happened to them because I don't I don't think you know. Xavier has gotten burned way more often recently, I think, this year. And you saw it in the preseason, even. 
than he has in years past. But at the same time, they're in phase a lot of the time. Like Trey Wayne's played that flea flicker as well as you can play a flea flicker from a defensive player, and the catch was still made. I'm and, so mad about that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I thought it was gonna be a pick. Yeah. And I don't know what you can do about that. Like from from a from a defensive coaching standpoint, right? Like because his his arms up there, he just misses the ball. Like it, it's not even like he didn't get his head around and he didn't get his arm up. Like his arm was up there. It just he didn't he didn't get the ball. So like either you get players who somehow find the ball there or Trey Wayne's relearns how to find the ball. I don't know how that happens. So that's that's definitely where I'm concerned at. I agree. I mean, it's obvious that this defense is taking a step back, but I think the biggest step back is the fact that you no longer have that shutdown cornerback. At least before uh, teams were, you know, Xavier was shadowing the, the number one receiver, so you were not always taking them completely out of the game, but you know that they were their their impact was going to be um, wasn't going to be as big as it normally would be. And then Trey Waynes would just line up against the team's number two receiver, so it kind of benefited him that like. The one thing Trey Waynes doesn't do is he doesn't give up deep plays because of that speed. He's pretty good at um, obviously running with guys. So I, I always gave him credit for the fact that I'm not worried about him down the field. It was always about the dink and dunks. Like he'd always give up the mm-hmm. easy throws, the the five to ten to fifteen yard plays. Um, but you knew that against a second a second uh, wide receiver, it isn't the impact depending on the receiver. Obviously, isn't going to be as great either. So like. There was a lot of that that you had so much assurance in and so much comp- so much confidence in in the past defense, um, and then obviously the pass rush was um, elite, even though it is right now. Um, so a lot of that that impact is just it's just not there that you're used to having. So I still th- I think Zim's struggling to figure out how to adjust to it too. Yeah, yeah, and for what it's worth, I don't know if you guys noticed this. I think we did have Xavier um, track Sutton in this game, yep. and it and it, it didn't too. work. I mean, well. Uh, Sutton got 113 yards, and we had that 30-something yard PI call too. Right. So, I I don't know if we can do it anymore. You might have to give him safety help. I think you have to. I think they had safety. Like, you have to shadow. They had like, sa- they had they had safety help on the deep play early in the game to Sutton yesterday. They had yep. Harrison Smith over the top. Like he was late to it though. And yeah, but I mean it's there. Like they're I mean, they're, and, they're doing and that. The way the way the throw was. Rhodes is the person who needs to make that play. Harrison yeah, Smith can't 100%. come over the top and make that play. Rhodes needs to make it. And he's in position. That's right. the worst part. Yep. Yeah, and he's in position. I just think the the way you make the situation worse is you let Court and Sutton move around, and all of a sudden you get him on Mackenzie Alexander instead of Xavier Rhodes. You know, and I know Rhodes is struggling, but I, I, we saw Tyree Kill go against Trey Waynes, and that was even worse. Well, Tyree Kill against just about anybody is bad. Tyree Kill is True. fast. True. True. Which is why you put him on Trey Wayne. So don't it, let him don't let him do that. Tyree Kill is so fast that he was too fast for Trey Wayne's. That's yeah, a, and, and that's it's not like good. like that's the problem. It's he's a game breaking player. It's like he's yep. got ninety nine speed of Madden and he's gonna outrun you. And that's probably not even fast enough. Right. <laughs> well, on that Wonderful note. Any last words, Flip? I, I just got one more statement, and that's that this 2019 season for the Minnesota Vikings has been the most exciting on-field product 
through 11 games that we've seen in a long time. And I know that doesn't mean that we're always winning these games. There's some stressful moments. There's some big losses in there. But when you think about the uneven September, you think about the the Kirk-tober, the hot streak, and these last three nail-biter games, what more can you ask for for a football season? We only get 16 of these, hopefully 19. We've got a team that can get to the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs, and we've got Kirk Cousins at the helm. It's It's been great. It's been fun, and I'm excited to see where this 2019 season goes. Skull Vikes. Miles? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how this team comes out of the bye. They obviously go on, on the road to Seattle on Monday night. That's going to be the probably their biggest test of the season. Um, under the lights, all that prime time, all that yada, yada. Um, I'm excited to see how they come out and prepare for that game. You hope they don't come out flat like we've seen them do in the past. You know, you, you're hoping they're bucking some of these narratives, right? Um, they've, they've bucked some of them already, but you want that trend to continue. And then I want to see how they how they handle the the divisional games, uh, the last three divisional games at home, um, to end the season and see how things go. They this, this is a playoff team. They're going to have to be in the playoffs. Their offenses has has shown that um, they've improved from last year. Um, you hope the defense can get it just a, you know slightly better to help um, offset some of that. Um, but this is a playoff team, and they they should be positioning themselves at this point to be in the playoffs come uh, January. DJ, um, first of all, thanks for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. Um, I'm having a good time speaking with you guys. Uh, I mean, I'm just as excited as you guys are. Uh, I do need a week off, though. This bye week comes at a good time for me as well. Uh, it's just, it, it, I, I'm, I'm struggling with the way that they're like the way that they're winning right now is just not good for my health. But as far as far as like entertainment value goes, like if you're an objective NFL fan right now, how do you not enjoy watching Vikings football? I mean, they are playing like prime time every single week and they're winning. And this is, you know, it's um, this has been an unprecedented run of success for Kirk Cousins. I'm excited to see it. I think that we're I think that slowly that we're kind of shifting away from the expectation that the clunker is going to come from Cousins. And now it's more like we're starting to feel like, okay, every once in a while he's going to have a bad game like every other quarterback in the NFL. So uh, that's really nice to see. And I'm getting very close to wanting to extend this guy again. And, hell, if you want to give him guaranteed money again, if he's going to play this way, I'm cool with it. Oh, uh, easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> easy. <laughs> hey, if, you play, if you play like this every single week, you'll get I, I, I mean, I just think I want to see the season finish itself out before, like, you know what I mean? But I, I'm with you. If, if things go well. Hey, like I've said on my show, if he takes us all the way to the promised land, we win a Super Bowl, I'll do the oh. artwork, we'll build him a statue, you Even though he's conversion hey, man, yeah, I'm cool with that. Matt, you got anything? All right. Um. So I guess first of all, we've been kind of negative on this show, really. I mean, we spent probably three quarters about <laughs> complaining. I was thinking, I yeah. Yeah. I I just want to say that you know, despite all of the the complaints and problems we have, we're kind of nitpicking because we're our our bad things have been against the best teams in the league, right? The Packers are leading our division. The Cowboys are leading their division. The Chiefs are leading their division. And they're all some of the best teams in the league. This team is going to be competitive with any playoff team. And I think this Broncos game really showed us that they will be competitive and they will fight back. Um, so the, the biggest thing for me is a positive from Kirk from this game 
because he didn't back down like he has in the past. And he honestly, he made me believe this team can compete with any other team in the playoffs. Before, if we got before this game, if we had gotten down big in the playoffs, I I would have felt terrible about it. Now I feel like we've got a fighting chance, and that's all you can ask for once you get there. It's going to be random. That's right. Hey, I want to thank everybody for watching. Enjoy all our shows from Climb in the Pocket Network. We're partnering with Daily Norseman. You can catch all our stuff there and on our Climb in the Pocket website. See us on YouTube. See us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Like, subscribe, rate us, do whatever. Talk to us all on Twitter. Thanks for watching. Go my game! Let's rock, let's roll to time.